Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 18 of the Fire Nuggets podcast. Uh, we're happy to be sitting down with Ben Rosenbaum. Um, ben, you're on, uh, you're a captain, actually, on Truck 41 and Eagle. Uh, you, mind, you mind telling us about that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks for having me on. I was a little surprised when, uh, when you reached out, but I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I work for the Eagle Fire Department in Eagle, Idaho. Uh, we're right outside of Boise, Idaho. Um, Eagle, right now we're currently a three-station department, um, about to be four, and soon after that, five. Um, my station is uh, Station 41, so we actually have a, a lot of rigs that are housed out of that station, so truck company um, is our main apparatus, but we also cross-staff a heavy rescue, uh, a brush rig, because we have a lot of urban interface in the summertime. We've got a, a rescue boat. Uh, we have a bulldozer in the summer. Um, so yeah, we kind of cross off a lot of stuff. My station, we've got four uh, that, that ride on on the truck every day, plus our battalion chief is housed out of that as well. Nice. And then do, do you guys have, do your own EMS or, or no? Um, yeah, so we're all pretty much advanced EMTs or intermediate, depending on terminology of what part of the country you're from. So it's kind of nice. We can all do advanced airways and, and um, IVs and IOs and all that kind of stuff, but uh, no pharmacology. Really, the only pharmacology that we do is some Narcan here or there, or, um, you know, some aspirin. So don't have to deal with the, that side of, you know, that level of, of EMS, but the county does all the transport, so. That's good. That's a win. Yeah, um, big time, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, how many years you got on the job there? And then before Eagle, uh, where were you at as well? Like, like total years in the fire service? Yeah, sure. So um, I graduated high school in 2002. I started out as a volunteer in uh, 2003. So my my prior experience in life before uh, becoming a volunteer at Eagle was high school. Um, and then I got hired a couple of years after that. I um, was lucky enough to get hired on with the Eagle. So uh, we're, we used to be a combination department, but um, I don't know how long it's been ago, uh, six, seven years ago, probably. Uh, we kind of got away with the volunteers and we're just a fully paid department now. Awesome. Um, all right. So you're an instructor for, for brothers in battle. Can you, can you tell us about your time there? Um, yeah, I mean that, that time actually goes, um, well before brothers in battle really. Um, so, uh, I I'm, I'm bad with dates, but a, a long time ago, um, I was, I was a driver on the truck and my captain at the time, um, he was, you know, probably one of my bigger mentors. He, he and I really saw eye to eye and, um, just firefighting and, and training and, um, tempo and everything else on the fire ground. And we, um, this one day I was looking, you know, online and I saw uh, traditions training, you know, how they were teaching a ton of classes and, you know, they had a trailer with a ton of equipment and all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, that seems like a pretty like cool gig. So I approached my captain, I'm like, hey, man, like, what do you think about doing something like this? And he looked at me like, man, you're just freaking crazy. Like, there's no way, like, you're nuts. And, um, you know, a little bit of time went by. And then Brian Olson, um, who's on my crew with me, he approaches me and he's like, hey, what do you think about doing something like this? And I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> so finally found the dude that was crazy enough to, to do something like that with me. So we started a company called, I say we, but it was really Brian. Brian started a company called 
refined by fire training. And I was just the, the one that was crazy enough to kind of follow in his footsteps. Um, and, and basically refined by fire training, our whole goal was just to, to get out and teach. Um, you know, we never wanted any money for anything. We never wanted any accolades for anything. It was just, it was just a fun kind of like side gig for us. It was, we were both super passionate about training and, and spreading the knowledge that, you know, we had been learning over the years. And, and Brian was the workhorse. He was the one that was building all the props. He was the one that was like just straight up calling departments and like, hey, will you guys like entertain us coming there and teaching a class and we don't want anything in return. So Brian was the one doing all the work and I was just really the one that was uh, kind of coming up with the like the, a lesson plan on cutting one by twos for door props and stuff like that. So so we were doing that for a couple of years, um, you know, built a, a pretty good group of guys, you know, with us and we just travel around and, and we kind of joke, we teach for, for burgers and beer. Um, if you give us a burger at lunch and then a beer after class, like, like that's like the trade-off for us coming and teaching. So, so we did that for a couple of years and um, social media really started to pick up and um, brothers in battle was doing their thing. And there's this one weekend, like, we, we kind of joke, but I think it actually happened. Like we passed each other on the freeway um, going into each other's states, like teaching classes. Like we went into, into Oregon and they were coming into Idaho teaching the class. And we're like, you know, like, why are we doing this? Like that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So Brian reached out to them, started talking with, with um, Cody Treasure and Jesse Avery, the two founders of brothers in battle. And uh, they, they, uh, you know, we're pretty open to the idea of, of meeting up with us and um, maybe combining forces. So Cody and Jesse, they flew down, uh, down here to Idaho and picked them up from the airport. And, and I kind of joke, like it was love at first sight and uh, everything after that was, is what it is now. But, you know, like all joking aside, like we, we drove around, we went out to Brian's shop and uh, showed him the props that we made and just talked about, you know, our teaching styles and, um, kind of just how we, how we do things um, uh, as far as um, setting up our classes and, and how we instruct and how we manage everything. And, and Cody and Jesse definitely had a better hold on, you know, the professionalism behind the scenes with like insurance and swag and everything else. Like they were, they were really, really organized. So it kind of made sense for for us to dissolve refined by fire training and just fall under underneath brothers in battle. So, um, and I don't remember the dates of, of a lot of that stuff, but um, that was back when we were pretty much just doing the, the basic irons class and a little bit of, of, of advanced irons work. And, you know, it's kind of grown into, you know, helping out at a lot of the conferences like the one that you do. Um, and it's, uh, it's been nice to, to see that Cody's bringing the, the basic irons back now though too. So. You know, we just pick up classes here and there that we can, and um, you know, it's been it's been a breath of fresh air um, with uh, with COVID and things starting to loosen up a little bit that we can get get back out and teach again. So, awesome! I, I appreciate appreciate uh, you giving the background on that. Um, now, uh, when Steven Tyler gave me your your bio, there was a lot of funny stuff, and I. I I'll hit some funny stuff, uh, but when it comes to your wife, I don't really want to want to throw jokes in there. So your your wife is on the job, correct? Yeah. Yep. Nice. So uh, how does that work with with you two being on the job, and what what company is she on, and uh, how do you guys work together? 
Yeah, so she she's a <clears throat> she's a captain with the Boise Fire Department. Uh, she's an engine captain on Engine Nine. Um, our fire career basically um, kind of paralleled each other. Um, you know, we we weren't married yet, but we both started academy uh, a month apart. Her academy actually started a year uh, a month before mine did. So we were both going through the 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 academy grind together. Um, you know, did probation and, and all that kind of stuff, and. And, you know, we both kind of just promoted as, as time went on. Um, and really, if there's anybody that you should be interviewing, it's probably her because she's like way cooler and funnier and smarter than I am. But, uh, you know, it's pretty impressive what, what she's doing over there. She's got her hands in, in really twice as many things as I do. And, and I feel pretty overwhelmed at some time at some point. But, you know, you'll find her helping out with 1403 Burns and the recruit classes. She's on the physical fitness committee hiring committee, recruitment committee, promotional committees. Um, she sits on their healthcare trust board. She um, is part of the peer support team. I mean, she just has her, her hand in just so much stuff. Uh, she's on the pipes and drums over there. So pretty, pretty busy. Um, the, the schedule is really crazy. Uh, both departments run a 4896. So we, and we're on different shifts. We've got three kids. Um, so us being gone, for, for two days out of every six is, and with the kids is just unrealistic with like a nanny. Um, it just, it costs so much and, and it just wouldn't be a good idea. So, so we're on different shifts. So we see each other two days out of every six. Um, and we joke, like, that's the only reason why we're still married is <laughs> because we never see each other. Um, but in all joking aside, like it, it's definitely not like an ideal scenario um, because of the days that we have off together are usually just jam-packed with with stuff like this you know whether you know one of us is teaching a class or taking a class um you know department meetings uh just running you know normal household errands and stuff like that uh, i joke i didn't really realize it until a couple of years ago but i i probably spend more time with brian olson than i do my wife because the the deal is is when i'm at work and we got to go to the store like i got to go everywhere with brian right but when i'm at home uh, you know, my wife and I, we can kind of split up doing chores and I might run to the store and she goes somewhere else. Right. So unfortunately, I think I actually spend more time with Brian than I do her, which is a pretty disgusting thought, but it's the reality, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's good though. Um, it's kind of nice, you know, she had a fire the other day, I had a fire yesterday and like, that's what, you know, a lot of our conversations are about, you know, or about work, um, you know, and, and it's easy to have those conversations because, you know, we speak that same lingo, we speak that same jargon, and um, it's when you when you talk about the good stuff uh, that went on on the call or the challenges that you had, like you can really uh, sympathize and relate to what that is. But then on the flip side, like you know, when when one of us has a bad call, you kind of know what they're going through and what it feels like, and when to give them space and when to kind of be in the space and and help them kind of help each other manage uh, a lot of that. Um, kind of darker side of what we have to deal with so so you guys get into arguments like engine versus truck uh, oh often? yeah all the time seniority engine versus truck you know time on the job or time in rank like all that kind of stuff it uh <laughs> yeah it uh it's it's pretty good banter just like just like you'd have at the fire station like it just bleeds over in home sometimes too uh, that's awesome uh, so, so one of the one of the main things that that Stephen didn't joke ab around about in your in your bio, and this is what I've always appreciated with every brothers in battle person I've ever met, is you guys are really good family men. 
you know, uh, so if, if you want to, you can take a, take a, uh, a minute to, you know, talk about your family, how, how cool they are and how awesome your kids are. And... Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, back to my wife, Ashley, you know, I'm lucky I, I married my best friend. Um, you know, every day I get to spend with her is just a huge breath of fresh air. You know, we just, we share the same interests, you know, between, you know, work to um, parenting styles to, to working out, um, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's nice to, to not just marry somebody that you love, but somebody that like you love being with. Um, my kids, we got three kids. Uh, my oldest, um, Everett, he's, he's 11 now. Um, he's kind of like a, a, a bit of a, a, a mini me when it comes to my wife. He, he probably puts in just as much P, PT time as, as she does. Uh, he's like, you know, we got the little garage gym set up and he's out there every day, um, you know, throwing kettlebells around and doing back squats and everything else at 11. Uh, he's super jacked because he's got a couple of veins in his shoulders and biceps that are starting to pop out right now. So <laughs> he's, he's, he's pretty into it. Um, you know, he's kind of one of those kids, like, I think everybody lies and they're like, oh, I'll support my kid and, you know, anything. And I don't want to push him to do anything. Well, I, I think to, to some degree, you want your, your kids to, to find a good job and, and do the, do the right thing as a career path. Um, you know, right now he wants to be a PJ and I'm definitely giving him, you know, every bit of influence I can there. Cause I think it's a good route for him. And it's, it's already something that he's like working towards and he knows like, you know, being physically fit and, and eating healthy and all that stuff, he already gets it at 11. So uh, it's pretty sweet. Um, our middle daughter or our middle ones, um, our daughter, she's eight. She's the one that like, you want to kick out of the house one minute of the day and the next minute, like melts your heart. Um, she's, she's the, she's the difficult one, but, uh, she, she truly is probably one of the, one of the very few people that could melt your heart, like every single day by just the way that she treats you and, and, and acts. Um, she, she does gymnastics and she just picks it up so naturally on her own. It's, it's pretty impressive. And then our youngest is Clark. He, he's six. Um, the guys were joking at work. I think it was last Christmas. They're like, Hey, would you get Clark for Christmas? A shaving kit and some whiskey. The kid's six, but he looks like he's going on 16. He's just a, he's huge. He's a tank. Um, he, uh, he definitely doesn't look like either my wife or I, so we're not sure what happened there, but um, yeah, he's, he's about a, a head taller than everybody else in his class. So he definitely didn't get the, the height from me. So, uh, but he's, he, you know, same thing with him. He's like the one that's turning out to be like super smart. Um, you know, he's probably doing the same math as, as, um, his sister is right now. And his, his reading is great. Like, it's just super impressive to see, you know, how well he's doing in school. So pretty lucky with, uh, with everybody that that's a part of our family. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I feel your pain with that middle child. My, oh, my, my middle is a girl also, and uh, very spot on uh, what you said, spot on. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so uh, on your job, you've, you've pretty much gone through every rank, uh, even did a little stint as a training officer, and you've been a captain for nearly a decade. Uh, can you tell us some of the best things you've experienced in all those positions? Um, yeah, so my, um, yeah, so my, my path was interesting. So when I was a volunteer, I was a firefighter. Um, you know, you could work 24 hour shifts, um, or just 12 hour shifts. Um, and then in that time of being a volunteer, uh, I went through a driver's course and became a volunteer driver as well. 
So if we had the staffing for the day um, with the volunteers coming in, especially at night, we'd run an engine and the heavy rescue out of station one. So I drove quite a bit as a volunteer. So get hired, um, going through the thing, going through academy and we just kind of the way things work, like my hiring class was um, not for um, retirements or anything like that. It was, to, it was to staff a new station. So just kind of the way things worked, um, we had to, the union had to write an MOU to allow the, the 12 of us in this academy to take the driver's test because there weren't enough firefighters who were eligible themselves to take the driver's test. So it was either you know, let somebody go and hire specifically for a driver or write this MOU. So whatever the union writes the MOU and allows all of us um, probationary firefighters to take the driver's test. Took the driver's test, uh, scored well enough on it that I ended up promoting. So I had two years of probation outside of academy. I had to still finish out my firefighter probation and then roll right into my, uh, my driver's probation. In that time frame, I was really lucky. Um, I spent the whole time um, uh, down at station one on our um, heavy rescue and truck. Our, our truck came about six months into um, me coming online. Um, so yeah, spent um, that whole time working for the same boss, uh, you know, which at the time he's a battalion chief now, but was um, uh, at the time, definitely our best captain. Um, so I got to, you know, be a, be a firefighter with him uh, for him and then drive for him. And, and I drove for him for a really long time. Uh, and, and really like the, the cool thing there was like, he, he talked, taught me how to just be, you know, an aggressive firefighter. If anything else, it was just like, what does aggression look like on the fire ground? Uh, you know, he, he had to win every time, you know, almost at, at any cost, uh, to a fault. Sometimes he, he was just really one of the best, um, for sure. Um, after that, I, uh, um, we had a position for, a training captain open up and I was kind of pushed a, a little bit into, you know, testing for that. So I tested for that and, and got that position. Um, and that was really good. That was really eye-opening. Um, although it's a different administration now, um, you know, just that time and training, I, it, you get like the thing that I kind of go back to is we got an acquired structure and it had a basement. So the, the department was like, let's do some, some basement drills and some basement ops. I was like, okay, cool. So I needed to make sure, right. That like, I kind of knew how to, how to do this and how to teach it. And you know, what is, what is that best practice practice look like? So I had, you know, days and days and days worth of, you know, red learning skills on, you know, how to attack these basement fires. Um, but it really only ended up being a two hour class, right? So like I had to come in and just immerse myself with any bit of information I could, talk to everybody that I could, run these drills through, you know, by myself, see if I could even do it and just go through all the things that, you know, I needed to as a training officer to then just deliver this two hour class. So that alone, you know, was just super beneficial, um, just immersing yourself in in whatever that topic was going to be that the, the organization the department wanted you to teach um but then the other thing was just like how the department clicked and like how it worked um you know it got to the point of i could walk into the fire chief's office and in 15 seconds know if he was in a good mood or bad mood and whether i should just say you know good morning to him or if i should you know ask for you know fifteen thousand dollars to to go send these guys to you know FDTN or like whatever class, right? Um, I, I just kind of learned how the place, you know, how it moved um, and then, you know, 
kind of manipulate the system from there. So that was super beneficial. Uh, I did that for about a year and a half. Um, when I was in training, uh, I took the captain's test. I was lucky I, I came out uh, number one on that. So when the opening happened, I came back online. Uh, when I came back online, they, they threw me on an engine um, and they learned really quick that that just was not a good fit for me. Um, so I was on an engine for, I don't know, two or four months and it was pretty quick. And they, they kicked me back down to station one uh, on the truck in the heavy rescue. Um, yeah, and I've been a captain there ever since. Um, you know, I, I probably learned the most as a captain um, out of any other rank uh, so far. Um, but I've, I'm really, you know, still trying to figure out how and when to lead, when I need to engage and when I need to sit back, um, how to mentor people how to capitalize on people's strengths, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm still learning it. Um, I'm definitely not, not the best at it, um, but I think I'm doing, you know, okay. So, um, you know, in that time, you know, I had a lot of really good mentors. I also had a lot of really bad ones. And I think I learned more from the bad ones than I did the good ones. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot to, to learn in, in each rank um, for sure. And they're, man, they're just, they're so different in each one, so. Yeah, no, that was, that was a good, it was a good run through. Um, so since we already kind of talked about Refined by Fire, let's, let's kind of change this question up a little bit. So with, with Brothers in Battle, what's, what's the favorite, your most favorite class to teach and why? Yeah, I, I, I do think it goes back to the roots of Brothers in Battle. I think it's the basic irons class. Um, it's just it's such a well written program you know it when you when you do something like that for so long like you really just figure out you know how to make it how to make it the best um you know cody and jesse just did such a good job laying the foundation of that basic irons class and then you know just tweaking it you know slightly over the years um all the way to you know cody just had such a method of you know it, it breaks you know which door prop goes to which location and and what, you know, part of that prop needs to come off and a new part needs to get put back on. Um, it's just such a clean course. It's, um, it's definitely one of those, of those classes where, you know, you start at seven in the morning and you're not done until seven at night, but like it's, it's, it really isn't a whole lot of work on the instructor's end to like keep any type of tempo up because it's just the, it's just naturally built into the course. The students are just as engaged and, and hard charging at, at 6.59 as they were at 7.01 in the morning. So it's, it's, it's pretty impressive. I, I really like that one. The, um, the amount that's covered in such a short time is, when you look at it on paper, seems um, a little overwhelming and maybe a little unrealistic, but the, the amount of reps you end up getting, um, the quality from you know, all these teachers and instructors of Brothers in Battle is, is just so superior that it's, it's, a, it's a pretty impressive feat. So definitely my favorite class i was kind of guessing that that would be what what you said so yeah. <laughs> um all right uh what can you tell us about the quad county truck academy like the origins of it um who was involved in and kind of yeah what uh what took place there uh yeah so i mentioned it um you know when i started uh you know our truck was was basically brand new to us um and and right just like any any suburban department that doesn't have a truck company, you still do truck work, right? I mean, you're still forcing doors, you're still searching the building, you're still ventilating, still doing all that stuff. But the 
the difference is, I don't know, my buddy, right, Adam Mayers, like when he's, when he's driving into work, he's thinking about the stretch. He's thinking like, all right, like, you know, what, like I'm going to estimate the stretch on this building that he's driving by, or like, what does it look like a two and a half versus inch and three quarter? Like he's going to, he's going to like play these mental reps as he's driving into work. Right. Well, for us, um, even though we were doing truck work now, we had a truck, we didn't really have that culture. We didn't have myself included as we're driving into work. You know, I'm still thinking, you know, the engine stretch. I'm not thinking like, what should I expect when I get on the roof? Um, how would I, you know, split my crew to search this building, like going through all that stuff, right? So it was it was pretty evident. Um, we were lucky we had we had hired a training chief that um, was aware of this truck company or this truck academy in um, California called the Riverside Truck Academy. It was a two week truck academy. Um, you know, it was uh, it was a full two weeks, and you go through everything from from all the ventilation stuff to search to forcible entry, elevator work, salvage and overhaul, like just like all those standard truck company functions um, minus any type of like extrication type stuff. And um, so we started sending, you know, groups of three down every year. Um, and it was, it was a pretty legit course. Like, I mean, it was those, that Southern California truck mentality is, is obviously vertical ventilation heavy, but gosh, they're, they're really good at it. Um, you know, depending on where you're at down there, like you're really good at forcible entry um, and all that stuff. So we started sending guys down and, and slowly we started to have this culture shift and mindset shift as guys are driving into work of, you know, hey, like I'm assigned to a truck company today. Like I need to think about like truck company, you know, functions. Um, start working on those mental reps as you drive in, right? So <clears throat> at one point, um, you know, uh, one of the guys I work with, uh, he's on our shift. Great dude, Ben Morris. He, he comes back from this. And he's like, man, like we need to do this thing. And I'm like, dude, you're freaking crazy. Like there's, there's no way, you know, Eagle Idaho can like host this thing. Like there's just, it's totally impossible. And like six months later, our chief uh, has a meeting with us. And he's like, Hey, we're going to start hosting our own truck Academy. And I'm just like, what the, like, there's like, this is like the most daunting task. Like you could ever think of. And it's like, all right, like she said, we're going to do it. Like, we're going to do it. So I met with him afterwards and I'm like, Hey, if you want to do this, like, this is who you need to call. Like you need, like you need to get a hold of like these couple dudes that, you know, we're teaching at the Riverside truck Academy. Like if you want any amount of success, like you need to hit these guys up and, and convince them to like get on board and come and help us. Um, so we did it, got a hold of them and, and flew some of them up and started having meetings and, and like trying to figure out like what we needed to do. And I, and I remember this one meeting we had like so vividly as we're trying to figure out like logistically, like how are we going to pull this thing off? And, um, you know, I raised my hand and I'm like, well, we need like saws and hooks. And our chief's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, if we're going to teach this truck company class, like we need a lot of chainsaws and we need like a lot of roof hooks to like, like actually do the thing you know and he's just like had this blank stare of like I don't I don't get it and I was just like dude this thing's gonna crash so hard like we're gonna teach a truck company class and like he doesn't even understand like we need chainsaws you know and it's like oh man and and somehow we pulled it off the first one went off pretty well um and luckily every year after that you know just got a little bit better and better as we went um you know hats off to to the guys that were really involved you know in eagle and and a couple from meridian that really helped out you know we weren't getting paid to do any of it um we were just busting our ass from you know like 4 a.m to to midnight for like two weeks straight in this thing um 
and and it ended up being you know great you know i've got friends that i'm that that took it that i'm still friends with you know today um you know some of the guys that would come up and teach with us you know are, are some of the best you know in the business um you know it was again it was still a, a pretty big southern california influence um but it was uh it, it was it was a really good time um you know guys like uh rich bell and billy milligan from riverside uh city um woody uh dave hudson from from cal fire um you know just some 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 top-notch dudes and and guys from around here that that helped out it was it was super impressive um we uh it was, it was pretty funny uh chad berg um from snohomish he he was one of the guys that came and took the class and when he found out that uh you know we were we were done teaching it. He said he joked he was on shift and he, he said he walked outside and lowered his flag to half staff because he was mourning the loss of the Quad County Truck Academy. But uh, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's dead now for sure. It'll never come back, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, it had a good run while we were doing it. So. Yeah, I, I definitely heard a lot of good things about it, you know, uh, so you guys did a good job with that. Um, all right. So I, I know you're a passionate man about the truck. Um, what is it that you uh, absolutely love about it uh, and, and you're most passionate about? Um, you know, I think a lot of it really like kind of stems from the origin of, of not having a truck when I first, you know, started as a volunteer. And then when I first got hired, um, you know, I, I saw the, the, the gap in um, just culture. I, like I knew that there was a truck culture out there. I knew that it was a thing in the fire service, but I didn't know what it really like felt like and looked like, um, you know, Eagle had a decent engine culture because um, obviously that was like really the only piece that we had, but like I knew that, it, that something needed to change. Um, one of the first things that um, this was as we were, our truck was getting built. My, um, my captain at the time, uh, his name's Jeff Crockmall. He, he told me, he's like, Hey, like, I need you to teach like an aerial spotting class or an aerial positioning class. And I'm like, shoot, like, how am I going to do this? Like, we don't even have one. So, you know, I, I had to do a ton of like research, um, to try and figure out like, how am I going to teach how to drive and spot this rig when we don't even have one yet. And it kind of was just an eye opener of like, there's just so much stuff that we don't know about truck work. Um, and, uh, so yeah, kind of, kind of just went from there. Um, and, and you know what, I, I won't lie. Like I like truck work cause it's not engine work. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's more fun to be on the varsity team than the JV team. Like I hate getting wet. Like I, I love driving past fire stations and we did it the other day. Like I love driving past fire stations. that have a fire engine in it when I'm going to a truck because there's right, there's less trucks than there are engines. So you know, the other day we passed by a couple of fire stations as we're going to the three alarm fire in the, in a couple of cities over. So I, I, the part of it is I, I really appreciate that side of the house too. But um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of it is just the, it really just stemmed from, you know, that initial um, trying to, trying to just figure out like where we fit into the truck world and it just kind of stuck, you know, ever, ever, ever since then. So. Nice, nice. Um, okay, so uh, from the information I got from Steven's email, uh, he says that you're an effective leader who may look easy to push people. Uh, how would you describe your leadership style? Um, I don't know, micromanaging and probably dictatorship mostly. Uh, I don't know, like, 
um, I think, I think being a good leader, right. Is a good follower. Like for me, you need to like read your guys and, and invest time into, into understanding who they are and like what makes them, what makes them tick. Right. Um, it's kind of like understanding somebody's love language, right? Like the way that, you know, a guy like Brian Olson, you know, needs praise versus like my other firefighter, Brent, like, like they're, they're totally different dudes. Right. And so like, you need to like, um, treat them the way that like they need to be treated. And that takes a lot of effort into learning them, um, figure out what their passion is. Um, another thing I like to do, like give them tasks and let them run with it. Like the, like right now, right. Brian's working on like a search manual for the department. And like, basically my deal to him was like, Hey man, like I want a search manual. I want something that talks about, you know, the definitions of, you know, what is going to be an orient search what is going to be a ves what is going to be you know uh, a split search like i want everything defined so that we know without a doubt what it means i want some you know how we're going to do drags and carries like and that's it like have it back to me by june 1st and it was just like however you want to accomplish it from here like like let's make it happen right um you know brent brent's going to work on like a rigging manual and like a heavy rescue spec for us like those that's what those dudes are into so like why don't you like harness that energy harness that power that that and passion that they have and like just like give them a very you know loose uh sideboards and let them just run with it because right if, if i give them too um specific of a goal or what it needs to look like what the font is what the spacing is like all this shit right like it's not theirs anymore it's it's not going to be be theirs it's going to be basically something that i wrote so <clears throat> let them do that um not going to edit it at all like it's theirs like and and just understand that like it might not be exactly what you thought or wanted but it's like it's theirs and it's their work um make sure that um you know you got to help dudes like make sure that they that kind of stuff gets implemented um you know as, as silly as it sounds like one of the guys um he hated our ems bags and was like hey we got we got to get better ems bags and so you know, I, I worked with him for a long time on like how to write the budget proposal, like how to like, you know, make it look good on paper, how to make it sound good to the chiefs, all that kind of stuff. And, and just was, was their advocate for it. Right. Um, it wasn't my idea. I was just the one that kind of helped show them the way of where I've seen success in the past. Um, and, and it works like to, to, to say, like, I have a specific style, like, I don't really know what it is other than, um, you know, I just, I like to harness my guys uh, passion and energy and, and just help them along with it. So. Yeah, no, it definitely sounds like, definitely sounds like empowerment. Um, yeah. Can you tell us about uh, the nickname Roach? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so when, when I was a driver, um, my, uh, my captain at the time, um, he's a battalion chief now, Jeff, he, he gave me the nickname Roach um, because I was always roaching around doing things. Um, I, you know, I think the one of the one of my favorite positions was driving on the truck, and really a lot of it was driving. I mean, I enjoyed the truck work, I enjoyed the heavy rescue, um, but I really liked uh, driving for him specifically. And one of the things, and I and I, I'd say this all the time. So like, I just had so much pride and passion in and I remember it happened lots of times, you know, I, I work Christmas day and, you know, if it was a Wednesday, you know, you had to do the, the weekly on the heavy rescue. And to do, if you're going to do the weekly check on the heavy rescue for us, if you're going to do a ride, it's like three or four hours, like to go through like everything. And like, 
you know, the, the weekly comes up and it's on Christmas day and I'm working and like, I'm out there doing my thing. Like it didn't matter to me whether, um, it was Christmas or, or not, whether I was with the whole crew or by myself, like I just really enjoyed being out there training, even if it was on my own, um, uh, fixing things like checking rigs out. I was just always out there <laughs> quote, roaching around doing my thing. So, um, yeah, I've, I definitely haven't logged a whole lot of hours sitting in the recliner watching TV, although, you know, that, that stuff's super important to, to have that crew time. Um, it, but it's just pretty rare that you'd find me, you know, rock and lock or whatever. Uh, I'd be out in the bays under a rig cleaning something or flying the aerial by myself in the back of the station or doing something like that. So yeah, that's it. It's funny. Cause um, yeah, that name obviously still, still sticks around. So. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a good nickname. I mean, it's, it's not, yeah. you know, like, like appealing or anything like that, but it, <laughs> it, it, it at least yeah. means, you know, you're, you're a hard worker. So, um, all right. I have no idea if these are funny or good stories or, or, or what, but I'm supposed to ask you about the first pancake. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, a buddy of mine said this years ago and, and it's so true. Um, his name's Woody. He, uh, we were, so when we were running the Quad County Truck Academy, we had a event over fire props. It was a Connex box, put a bunch of fire underneath it, fill, fill the thing full of smoke. And um, we, we reconfigured it so that you could cut ventilation holes out of the top of it. Well, we were firing the thing up and, um, and the, first, the first burn of the day, the first cuts, like they totally sucked. Like the smoke wasn't good. There wasn't a lot of fire coming out of it. Like it was just like, it was kind of just a dud. And he's like, Hey man, like, it's not a big deal. Like, have you ever eaten the first pancake? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, have you ever eaten the first pancake that you make? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like they usually kind of suck. Like they're kind of soggy or like they didn't cook evenly or whatever. He's like, yeah, you always throw away the first pancake. He's like every single time. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like I get it now. So it's just this, the, this weird analogy of, of kind of training right so from an instructor standpoint um you know we kind of took that and we kind of ran with it of like hey like if i'm going to teach the department you know how to um do this thing well so i'll use this as an example so we just did a bunch of paratech bipod training where we we're so we got a, we got the paratech stuff uh got the bipod head and and we're going to recreate a, a a drill from a call that we had so Long story short, this guy was augering under the road. Um, the auger bit um, got caught and it flipped this guy inside this trench and totally jacked him up. Luckily, he didn't get pinned under the machine, but it was really close. So if it would have pinned him, we would have had to, you know, somehow in a trench pick this, you know, like, you know, 4,000 pound machine off of this dude to then get him out from underneath it, out of the trench, you know, and in the EMS hand. So we're kind of somewhat trying to recreate this call. So I didn't want the first pancake to get thrown away when we're training like our own guys, like, like on the job training. Um, so we, we've taken this, this joke, this analogy. And so, you know, we make sure that like we, the, the first couple pancakes that we make are always just well before, you know, we do the department wide training. So, you know, we, we dug a trench, we threw, you know, a 4,000 pound ecology block, like down in the trench. And we just kept picking this block up and gantering it out of the hole and going through all this, you know, rigging stuff and heavy rescue lifting and, and everything else. And, 
ended up doing, you know, two, six hour days of, of just guys that are on shift down to station one with me, just like messing with it, just figuring out all the ins and outs so that when it comes time to like give the training to the whole department, like we've already thrown away the soggy pancakes. So that's the, that's the analogy of, uh, you, you know, tossing away that first pancake. And so, you know, for us as, as instructors, you know, that are in the training division with Brothers in Battle, like, you know, I, I was doing it with um, Adam Ayers and Josh Maggard up in Valdez, Alaska a couple years ago. We were going to go teach, um, you know, geez, this is terrible. We're flowing water, like going upstairs in these Connex boxes and getting soaking wet. It was like the worst thing ever, right? Well, like we wanted to make sure like, you know, like we had done it a couple of times, you know, while Cody's doing his lecture. So we didn't like look like buffoons, right? Like just let's brush off our own, our own skills. Let's make sure everything's dialed in. You know, if there's something that we need to tweak from an instructor standpoint to because of the Connex box or whatever it is, like, let's like get rid of those pancakes like early. Um, so we don't um, have that. And I think the flip side is, is like from a student's perspective, like, so me, I have this kind of personal policy every class that I'm going to teach with brothers in battle or whomever like I'm going to take a class so I don't know I don't want to be that guy that's always just teaching 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 so for me as a student you know I, I try and give a little bit of grace when it's like the first rep of the day because um, you know sometimes people didn't have the ability to like toss away that first soggy pancake so um, as a student like give, give, give the instructors a little bit of grace sometimes um, they'll, they'll get their their stuff refined in you know once it's the third fourth fifth whatever rotation of the day so that has to be one of the best analogies I think I've heard in actually a long time <laughs> I know it's so true like <laughs> nobody's ever eaten the first pancake yeah um, all right uh, so uh, uh, again with, with with this next one and the one after that I have no idea if they're funny pure gold or or, or what uh, two plus two equals 10 question mark. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'll do a good job, um, explaining this, but, um, uh, if you, if you haven't listened to it, the, uh, MC, MCTI mission critical team Institute, uh, podcast, um, if you haven't listened to them, like definitely like it needs to be on your list to, to start, you know, catching up, jamming through those. Unfortunately they haven't pulled one out in a while, but hopefully they're just, taking a short break, but, um, you know, they have this thing in there and it's either one of their guys, maybe it's Dan Coyle from, um, he wrote the culture code, uh, and some other book, but, um, basically it's like, you know, how, how is it that some, some groups, how is it that some teams, I'm going to say this wrong, like there's some is greater than their individual parts or whatever. So, so I'll use this as, as an example, like, on shift every day for, for me at work, uh, right now we have 13 people on shift, but when you put us together on a fire scene, we're not 13 dudes uh, working. You know, we're probably somewhere up in the twenties. And it's not because, um, uh, you know, when you work collectively, like you're, you're stronger or whatever, it's more about like, I work with 13 or I'm one of 13, the, the 12 other guys that I get to work with every day. I mean, there's some of the most top-notch dudes. Like I work with five other brothers and battle instructors, like on my shift. Like it's unreal. Like the 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 powerhouse that that my shift is in Eagle. Um, so you're you're getting way more than 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 twelve other people showing up. You're getting you know twice that when you would compare that to to you know honestly just like a normal you know three station department. 
Um, so yeah, I'm definitely doing a bad job explaining that, but it's just, it's just how, um, you know, we've, we've been fortunate enough with guys like Steven on my shift, Ben Moore, Sean Marvin, Brian Olson, uh, my driver, Mike, uh, my other firefighter, Brent, like my battalion chief, Rob, like the, the culture that we've created on our shift is, is just such a strong one that, um, you know, uh, we're not, we're not a 13 person shift. We're a two plus two equals 10 kind of shift. Yeah, it's two for two with analogies. Now, I, I have no idea if this last one's an analogy or not, um, but he wanted me to ask you to talk about the frustrations of fighting McMansions. Oh, um, yeah, this one isn't as funny. Uh, I just get freaking pissed when people are like, we need, to, we need to start fighting these mansion fires like they're commercial buildings. It's like, hey, mother, like, I don't know if you've ever been in a mansion. It, has no, it is not like a commercial building at all. Like, <laughs> Uh, that is like the the farthest thing from the truth like the only thing that they slightly have in maybe some similarity is square footage uh you know we probably get i don't know a handful of six thousand plus square foot home fires a year um I, I i've been on two uh this year alone so like with some amount of confidence i can say that you know um they're they're not commercial buildings stop saying that it's, it's hundred percent tr not true. They don't have sprinklers. They don't have stand pipes. They don't have like a multiple staircases for egress. They don't have the parking like you do in a commercial building. Like there's just nothing similar about them at all. Um, so we need to really stop classifying that at some, at some point, you know, Steven and I have joked. Um, I mean, we have tons of crazy ideas, but one of them would be, you know, working on what, how to actually fight a mansion fire from, from an engine perspective, from a truck perspective, um, because this, this weird statement of like, we need to treat them like a commercial building fire is just completely uh, untrue. And yeah, nobody's ever been able to explain to me what that means. So yeah, let's just stop saying it in general. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that was a good explanation. Um, Okay, so this is kind of getting back to our, our, our normalized uh, questions that we pretty much ask everybody. Uh, but before, uh, before I get there, um, if you don't like to get wet, I'm assuming that you didn't like it when you, when you came out to, uh, to the conference that I do, and it was like 40 mile per hour winds, and we were spraying hose lines everywhere. Oh, yeah, like that's, yeah, the wind <laughs> was brutal there, man. Jeez. Yeah. yeah it, it was not much better this year. Uh, Robbie was not, uh, very happy um, <laughs> you can only imagine <laughs> yeah he, he, he probably i, I should have sent him the temp yesterday it was like uh 70 degrees it was a oh. weird weird day well, here. well he's he's so used to like um you know his bc buggy and his starbucks coffee and all that stuff right now so he's <laughs> yeah. way off of his game when he's outside in the elements like the rest of us <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect <laughs> um okay so uh <clears throat> when it comes to the job uh, what are we as the American Fire Service doing right and what are we doing wrong in your opinion? Um, okay, uh, so yeah, I've heard you ask that question uh, before on some of these and, and I've kind of wondered that one to myself. I think for me, like what we're doing right and, and I'll try and explain this well or the best I can. So right this is this is what it's like for me around here we've got some some schools now some high schools like that are like kind of like votech schools that have emt programs um 
firefighting programs. So you can actually graduate high school, like with your like basic EMT, you can actually graduate high school with your, like your firefighter one, whatever certificate. I think that, you know, it's going to take a long time, but I think we're going to figure out like that is actually a really good thing. Cause like the, this whole like journeyman thing, like, like, oh, like, yeah. I've never been on a fire where I'm like, oh, thank God that guy that was a framer or a mason or an electrician, like he totally like, like saved our ass, right? Like those guys that are masons and, and electricians and framers, or whatever, like they're really good when you're doing a remodel or you want to like, you know, build onto your cabin, right? Like that's where like those guys have value. Um, and, and I'm not saying not all of them are good, but I work with those guys and like some of them, like they're, they're not, you know, just because like you have this journeyman, you know, past experience of, of whatever, like, it's not that impressive. Like I know white collared workers that have a better work ethic now in the fire service than these blue collar workers that have, you know, whatever, you know, journeyman license. Um, I've never been to a fire, like I said, that like, I'm like, oh, thank God this plumber, like this guy that used to be a plumber, like totally like saved our ass. It's just, it's not the reality. Like just because you had that past experience, you know, it doesn't really mean a whole lot to me. Um, now, if the, if the fire department's willing to hire the kid that's 18, that just got out of high school with his firefighter one cert, you know, whatever, you know, accredited, you know, program that it came through, like, think about like where they're going to be, you know, down the road. <clears throat> so that guy spends, you know, 10 years as a firefighter, 10 years as like a driver, 10 years as a captain. Now he's promoted to a BC. Like think how much time and experience that he's had in the fire service. And now he's going to be a BC and he's still got a bunch of time left because he got hired so gosh dang young, right? Now, I would rather see where that guy's going to be as a BC than a guy that was 30 that was you know a, a plumber or an electrician or whatever and then decided to join in the fire department and he's going to spend his last two years as the bc and you know he, he doesn't he's got like you know a 10 plus years less time on the job than somebody that got hired right away because here's the reality of it like the the only small engine i ever ran before i got in the fire service was a freaking microwave like i just i i didn't grow up in a family that like I was out like logging with my dad or like running these hydraulic equipment or like whatever. The biggest thing I drove was a Chevy Tahoe or whatever. Like I didn't have all this like journeyman experience. And I think I turned out okay because I had really good mentors and people that showed me how to do things. So I think it's going to take a really long time to see that that's actually like going to be a good thing. I think it's going to take a lot of time to be like, okay, you know, 30 years ago, you know, we had this high school program that was pumping out all these kids with EMTs and firefighter ones that got hired like super young. I can like look at where they're at now. You know, we've got not a bunch of 25 year guys retiring. We got a bunch of 40 year guys retiring, which is so much time on the job. And, you know, somebody's going to be like, oh, well, you know, they're 18, 19, 20 years old. Like, yeah, the military does it all the time. Like, I got zero concern with hiring super, super young young dudes um and, and again i don't want to knock on on all of them if if all of our framers could be like james johnson like i take every single one of them like like super solid but from my experience like i i've just never been that impressed with it um so i think that's what we're doing right i think it's a it's a weird um 
it's not the norm. You usually people want to hear that um, we're hiring, um, you know, the journeyman or whatever. And that's just my take on it. I think that this thought of, you know, getting people super young into the trade right away is going to end up having a huge benefit down the road. Um, what are we doing wrong? Um, uh, again, I thought a lot about this one. Um, you know, I could tell you a hundred things wrong that my department's doing. I could tell you a hundred things wrong that the county's doing. Um, but but this one for me, uh, um, I don't know anybody that's doing this, and and I think we're really missing the mark on it. And somebody's gonna think like I'm a freaking savage. Like most of the people in my department who I talk to about this think I'm a savage. But I think when we hire, we need to start over hiring with the knowledge that we're gonna like let a bunch of people go. So uh, I'll use this as an example. So we're gonna open up a new station soon. So we need nine, three per shift. Well, if I was chief for the day, I'm gonna hire 15. And when I make those job offers to those 15, I'm gonna let them know, I'm like, hey, you're gonna go through this five month academy or whatever it is that we're doing right now. The day before graduation, the bottom three, I'm gonna let you go. The bottom three performers, you're out. Even though you might've passed everything you're, you're, you're hitting the standards, bottom three, you're out. Probation goes for, for a year long. Um, the day before everybody would be off probation, I'm going to let the last three bottom guys go. It sounds savage to overhire and, uh, and to let people go like that, but just think, like, like, honestly, can you look at yourself and say, if I knew, like, legitimately, even if I passed everything, there was a chance that I was going to get fired. Like how much harder would you have worked in an academy and on your probation? Right. I think all of us could say we probably could have put in a little bit more of, of an effort, especially knowing that. So, you know, if I was a chief, I make those offers and that, you know, somebody's like, ah, yeah, like I, I can't make that level of commitment. Like, you know, that's just, that's too much for me to swallow. It's like, cool, man. I don't want you anyways. Cause right away you're telling me you're not committed to the place. Like you're either a hundred percent or you're hundred percent out. So like right away, like you're washing out people, you know, some people are concerned of like, well, you know, guys are going to start siloing themselves and be like, you know what? I got to make sure like I can throw the ladder faster, force the door quicker, tie the knot, you know, cleaner, whatever, uh, versus the next guy. Well, those ones that are siloing themselves and not helping out their brothers and sisters, like, like that's noticeable, right? The dude that like might not be able to force the door as quick as the next, but like is spending tons of time helping the rest of the class out with search techniques, hose handling techniques, whatever, like that's the one I want because he's a team player. It's not just about him. It's about the team, right? So I think that it's a it's a fairly savage move to, to do that, but because um, a lot of people uproot their lives for the fire service. But if you're going to put in that level of commitment, um, and with, with that kind of consequence, I think you're going to get a pretty incredible fire department, you know, as time goes on with that. So I think, I think our hiring practice is just way too weak. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. That's going to be, that would be one way to get the highest performers that you possibly can. Yeah. Cause they, they have to give a hundred percent all the time. You know, there is no, there is no dipping down, feeling sorry for yourself, you know? Yep. <clears throat> Um, okay, so if you could see into the future, uh, what would fire service training look like uh, in, in 10, 10 or 20 years? 
Uh, yeah, that's easy. Uh, every department has their own version of FT, FDTN. Next question. I'm, I'm not going to disagree. <laughs> no, like, right. Like I, you know, I, um, years ago, um, uh, his name is Tracy Rayner. He's the chief for Valdez. He used to be the training chief for Boise fire. I saw he wrote this email to, to an, a, a training captain that he had hired. And he, um, he had basically said, um, your job as a training captain here is to make it, uh, it was something like it needs to look real, um, sound real, feel real and smell real. I was like, Oh, I'm like, that was like, that was like his expectations, like to this new training captain. I was like, that's pretty legit. Um, and I never really like thought a lot more of it. And then, you know, went to, I was lucky enough, went to FDTN with Steven. Uh, Steven did engine two. I did truck two and, and went through that program. And, and that's what it was, right? Like, you know, um, everybody, everybody involved there, Jim to, to everybody else at, at FDTN has just done such an incredible job of like making it as real as possible. Like, right. I mean, like, you know, 12th and Adams or whatever the street signs are down, down there. Like everything about that place is just super realistic. Um, and, and it's just done such an incredible job. If, if you can make it a fire department that had that level of a training facility and that willingness to, to grind like that, like they do, um, and, and, and just push people every day to, to do all those different disciplines that you can do in, in really such ease of the conic cities over there um yeah we you'd have a pretty uh pretty incredible fire department nice now now down to our last four like token questions yeah uh, what's the best conference you've ever attended uh yeah you know there's there's a lot of bias but definitely you know firemanship um you know i'm, I'm lucky with being a part of brothers in battle you know i've been able to just travel quite a bit um and and see a lot of other conferences um, and there's, there's just, there's so many good ones out there, but the, 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 the vibe and the feeling and the culture and everything that Cody and Andrea and everybody else, you know, over there, the first wood fools like that they bring to that conference is just, I mean, it's, it's unreal. It is absolutely unreal. And hopefully Cody finds a good way to bring it back here soon. Um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm super bummed that, that it's not happening, uh, right now, but, but hopefully they can bring it back. It's, it's a pretty incredible conference. I, I like the ones that, you know, have both the lecture and all the hands-on stuff with tons of options. Um, it's just, it's a really good, well-rounded mix. So. Yeah, that's, that's definitely one of the most picked uh, answers we have here. So, yeah. Uh, what's the best class you've been to? Um, that one's a lot tougher. Um, I, I would say the ones that have had the most impact for me. Um, I took blue collars, um, heavy lifting and stabilization class in like 2017 or 18, maybe. Um, and, and that one for me was huge um, for a couple of reasons. You know, it was finally it was it was really cool to see another training group like Brothers in Battle, you know, just their training philosophy to, you know, um, what how they how they treat each other as instructors, how they treat their families um you know just how they how they conduct themselves when they're out of town away from their family and wives like everything it was it was really cool breath of fresh air to to see another company that was so similar to brothers in battle um you know jeff and and everything that he's doing over there is is very similar um so that was cool on top of 
you know, I thought we were doing good, like on the heavy rescue world and like the heavy lift and stabilization stuff. And it was just, it was so like one of those things, right? Like you don't know what you don't know. Like there were, there were things that we were doing, like lifting, you know, cement um, trucks off of cars that like, I'm surprised, like we didn't blow up our equipment or hurt anybody and taking their class and just, it was such an eye opener of what, um, you know, we didn't really know and what we were doing wrong. Uh, the other one too, like I, I definitely have two. This one, uh, the Boise uh, Firefighter Symposium. So, you know, what James and Luke Miller have, James Greenwood and Luke Miller brought back, um, you know, the original one that, that Boise Fire used to, to put on was, was an incredible class. Like I remember taking it, the first time I took it was 2004 or 2003. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it was, it was the first class that I had ever taken. And it was so eye-opening of like, just seeing what else is out there. Um, and I, man, I remember it so vividly. Um, it was a hose class. Um, and Jay Camella was there. Eric Roden was there. Um, Ray McCormick was there. Uh, Rick Payne was from Boise was teaching at it. And it was just like oh, all these heavy hitters and I had no clue who they were. And in the beginning, actually, we even did a moment of silence and they talked about Andy Fredericks. I was like, you know, I, I knew the name, but I didn't know, like I'd read something about or an art, an article or whatever that he'd written. And I really didn't know anything more than that. Um, but just like going through that class, it was, it was super impressive. Um, it just really, uh, you know, opened my eyes to, to a ton of stuff. I, I remember Ray was late, his flight got delayed or whatever. And we were, we were downtown Boise at like a, um, like a parking structure and we were doing like some standpipe ops and like from across the street he's like hey uh you're hooked into the sprinkler system not the standpipe you're pumping in rpm mode not pressure mode and like just like rattled off all these things that like we were doing wrong and like he literally like caught it all from like across the street and i'm like who the heck is this guy you know and and just as i matured in the in the fire service i started to you know learn who all these people were and, and i really had no idea um you know the you know, taking a class from, from Jay, you know, back when he was teaching, it like was just pretty incredible to, to have had that opportunity. So. Yeah. I remember uh, Ray actually told him that that was uh, one of his most favorite ones that he's done uh, to date. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite book? Um, yeah. So I knew you're going to ask this one too. Pretty common question. Um, so uh, I'm the worst at this kind of, that this stuff um i have three that i want to hit real fast so um and 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 those that know me uh so i don't read much i read a lot of or i listen to a lot of books like i just suck at reading my mind drifts like so fast so um yeah i'm not you know uh i don't have a huge uh library of books on the shelf that's for sure but um onward by howard schultz um, was one of the first ones, uh, is the first one on my list. Um, and man, like there's so many leadership books out there. This is just another one of those. Um, the, the thing I liked about that one was that was the first one I read. Um, my mom actually, um, recommended it to me. Howard Schultz is the dude. He didn't found, um, Starbucks, but he's the one that made Starbucks what it is today. And it's just a leadership of, of how he got Starbucks to where it is, you know, just the, um, you know, as an example, like one little excerpt or whatever from the book, like he just at one point, he was just sick of Starbucks having like shitty coffee, that he like shut Starbucks down for a full day, like every Starbucks around the whole world. And it was like had this like this eight hour class of like how to make coffee. 
and like just totally started the company over like from scratch like how to brew coffee and and lost you know millions and millions and millions of dollars but he was just he was over it and he just had like the 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 balls to like shut everything down and start over um so it's a good leadership book um you know obviously there's there's a million of them out there um uh the second one um i had to look it up last night to make sure i, I said it right um uh i think it's called fire uh, fighting fire uh a framework for the fire ground um it's by chris brennan um yeah fighting fire and then there's whatever um you know it's if, if, if you don't know who chris, chris brennan is from fire service warrior like stop listening go find everything you can that he ever you know put on youtube that he ever wrote like all that stuff um you know huge um uh part of my career really really early was the stuff that he did and put out um if you haven't read it it's 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 a short read i'm pretty sure you can still get it um you can like basically like buy the pdf version you know on fireservicewarrior.com it's not a tactical manual but it's more of like a philosophical like manuscript of like the mindset of firefighting it's 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 why we have to be aggressive it's why simplicity matters it's why repetition of training works um how staffing dictates um tactics it's just there's just so much stuff in there at times it's philosophical at times it's poetic at times it's technical um it's a short read but it is it's just super refreshing it's 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 not like any other fire book you're going to read you'll like i said i suck at reading i hate reading but i read it in one sitting um it's it's legit um and in anything that chris put out was is gold um and the last one, and probably, you know, honestly, like, I think the one that's maybe the most important, um, and, and I'm 100% serious with this is fire is the firehouse pranks and antics um, by john Metz and, and Jeremy Olson. If you haven't read the book, you got to get it firehouse pranks and antics. Uh, john Metz is a good buddy of mine. Um, you know, he, he works um, in that a neighboring department. Now, if you don't know it, it basically all it is is um, um, they they reached out to a ton of people all over the country and said hey will you write down you know the, the funniest firehouse prank that you've ever had um and then they just compiled all of these and like turned them into a book and it's it's legit like there's i, I think what i'm what i'm hoping that people would get out of this if you're actually going to read any of these is <clears throat> like put down the firehouse magazines and the and the penwell publications you know put down the leadership stuff like you've read a bunch of them like you like you know how to do it just get out there and and and, and train and and be a leader like get a breath of fresh air with chris Brennan, brennan's book get a breath of fresh air from the the firehouse pranks book like we got to have a little bit more of that stuff i guarantee if you do that like you'll have a better training session you know uh the next time you're at work you'll perform better on the next call, like you got to mix it up and, and keep it a little more lively. So sorry That's for giving you so many options, but uh, yeah, those are the three. No, no, I, I, I hundred percent agree with them. Uh, Chris Brennan is, is, is pure, pure gold. So yep. uh, people got to check that out. And the last one, what uh, podcast should we be listening to? Um, you know, my list is the same as yours. Um, you know, this one, the firehouse, or sorry, the Fire Nuggets podcast is 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 a must. 
Grobs is a must, Journeyman's a must, um, uh, LUF is a must. Um, uh, mentioned it before, Mission Critical Team Institute, uh, MCTIs is a must. Um, and, and yeah, um, you know what, like I keep telling him and I'll tell him here, you know, so everybody can hear like Steven, bring it back, dude. Everybody wants it. Like I've, you know, I, I've listened to all of these and, and you ask that question. Uh, you guys ask that question almost all the time and everybody is asking for refined by fire training to come back. Like just do it, make a comeback. We're not asking for, you know, an episode on every Tuesday. We're just asking for, you know, a few here and there. It's been 730 days since the last one. And we just want it back, dude. I could not agree more. I, I, I shameless plug the shit out of him <laughs> every single time, you know, and uh, I, I'm hopefully going to get an email from you for his bio. Cause uh, I, I asked him to come on ours, which hopefully will reignite his fire, you know, and, and hopefully we'll see some more refined by fire coming in the future. Yeah. No, you know, I, I think what I appreciate about Steven is that, that he, he would put in so much effort in studying, you know, who to interview, um, why to interview them, you know, their past. Like I, I remember him getting ready to have Jim McCormick on there and, you know, he just, everything he, I mean, he stalked the dude, right. Like trying to learn any, everything about him, his dad, like, like his department, like about FTTN, like, I mean, he probably had, 10 hours of research in that, let alone the interview, let alone, you know, hours of, of editing. Cause he's, he's a perfectionist. Like I, I get it. You know, he's super busy with young kids. Um, but man, we're not asking for the world. We're just asking for, for a few here and there. So. Agreed. All right. Well, well that pretty much uh, sums it. Uh, unless you have anything else you want to say, Ben. No, uh, again, I appreciate the, the opportunity. This, uh, this was, this was cool. So thanks. All right. Well, thank you, Ben. Uh, thank you, Ben. And uh, we'll see you guys the next one and uh, hope you all have a good day. Thanks again.